0: Good morning, Mosaic. Um, Like Joel said, my name is Keller. Um, So I'll be reading Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2 and 16, and James 3, um, 1 through 12. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. James 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for Pastor Joel as he speaks to us this morning. I pray that you would speak through him, um, that your word would convict us and challenge us and encourage us. God, we live in a culture that um, profits off of speaking um, half-truths, lies, exaggerations. Um, God, would you help us to see the truth And would you give us wisdom in the way we use our tongues? Help us, Lord. Let your spirit work through us um, to tame our tongues. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
1: So the the reality is uh, words uh, impact our whole community. They can bring uh, life and vitality to a community. They can bring encouragement. Uh, They can meet people uh, where they struggle the most. But they also can wreak havoc on a community. They can tear down. This is true uh, on the playground, it's true in schools, it's true in board meetings, Uh, and it's true of churches. One of uh, the greatest lies ever told on the playground is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. One of the greatest lies ever told. Words have power. They express uh, love, but they also express hate. They can comfort someone uh, in the midst of their deep wounds, but they can lash out in anger causing pain and emotional destruction. So communication, the use of words and community, they go together. And when God gave his rule of love for his people, so God is uh, meeting with his people as they leave bondage and slavery in Egypt, and they are headed to the promised land, and he's helping to set them up to know how is it that they can live, have this community uh, in a spiritually vital way, in a way that grows and matures in a way that builds up and cares for and loves not only God but one another. And so in those commands, he gives instruction about how to relate to God himself. You should have no other gods before him. He is the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. You shouldn't try to fashion any sort of idol Uh, to represent him and worship that. It doesn't work that way. God is the creator and can't be fashioned in any likeness of him uh, as part of creation. That we should be careful how we use our words uh, to honor him. That is, to not take his name in vain. We should rest. We should use words and actions to honor and care for our fathers and mothers. And that pivots into the ways in which we love each other as a community, how this rule of love shapes how we interact. And so that involves our actions, things like don't kill one another, uh, don't steal from one another, don't uh, commit adultery. That is, uh, don't be sexually unfaithful uh, outside of the bounds of marriage. Uh, and, and that then brings us to the ninth commandment, which is uh, in how we use our words, how we speak. So if those uh, commandments opening and how we relate to one another and love our neighbor-involved actions, here when we land on the ninth commandment, we're almost home uh, in the rule of love in the Ten Commandments series. Uh, God does business with how we speak to and about one another. Do not... Bear false witness. Now, I would expect that many of you would not argue with me that words have power. Um, Some of uh, probably your best and worst moments involve communicating with others. And, And so I'm just going to say that's a premise that most of you can get along with this morning. But the next level question for us then as a community, as people who are trying to put into practice this rule of love, is how can we use our words in line with God's character and living out his rule of love with and for one another? So if words are powerful— And that's a premise that I'm going to assume we're working off of together. How can you and I use our words to reflect God's love to us and to build up one another as part of this community? The letter of James is giving wisdom to unpack that ninth commandment, to speak into how we speak with one another. And we're gonna look at it this morning in three points uh, the power of words, the danger of words, and the source of words. So, first, in the opening five verses, in, in verse one, James gives a quick warning particularly to people who use words uh, as part of what they do day in and day out. This is probably in the context of a faith community. And so he's warning pastors. Uh, that's, that's me and Dan and others. He's uh, warning elders. He's warning community group leaders uh, how you use your words in impacting, impacting and shaping a community. Don't, don't take that lightly. But after this warning to that specific group in verse 1, he pivots in verses 2 through 5 to talk about how powerful words actually are in a community. We all stumble, he says, in many ways. If anyone stumbles in what he, if he doesn't stumble in what he says, he's he's perfect. Uh, Effectively, words and how we use our tongue are are one of the last signs of uh, maturity in some ways because uh, it's so easy to slip in what we say and how we speak about others. He goes on, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, they, they guide our whole, we guide their whole bodies as well. Or ships, as an example, they're large, uh, huge winds on moving seas, and, and yet they're guided by a very small rudder that directs it where it goes. One uh, New Testament scholar, Peter David, writing about this section in James says that basically through horses and ships, he's covering the way that people would travel great distance in the first century world. He's effectively using these real-life examples for how people would take long journeys, oftentimes treacherous journeys, and saying, look at how small the parts are that impact in huge ways what happens uh, in those journeys. And he's building the connection to our own lives and how we use words. Our community, however big it grows, however many connections we have, how many friends you have uh, in life and in social media, words uh, come from such a small organ of our body and yet have such a great impact on those who we love or care for or are connected to. You know, there is a reason why we don't let eight-year-olds— drive cars. Um, No offense to any of you who are eight or just over eight. uh, It's not about your eye-hand coordination. If you have ever seen a kid play video games or use a cell phone? They're pretty adept at understanding cause and effect from the the use of their hands and with what they see. And, And so it's not that a kid can't understand the difference between a gas pedal and a brake or that a kid can't grab a steering wheel and move it whatever direction they want. Rather, it's that a vehicle is really powerful and can go really fast. And there's lots of other people on the road. So it's it's not so much about ability as much as it is effect and power involved. That's what James is trying to get at for us as Christians when we use our words. He's trying to say that uh, words have a power to them that impact people's lives. And and so, you know, whether it is uh, the good things where we meet someone who's struggling or in a moment of doubt and we come alongside them and build them up with wisdom and encouragement. Or, much worse, whether it's the angry lashing out from What you know is a weak point in that person's life. Or the racist trope that you repeat as a way to get at them. Or uh, whether it's uh, the misogynistic joke that you either say or laugh at because you just want to get along. Those small moments that are, are just glimpses carry profound weight in actual people's lives. And and so as Christians, James is saying there's power here that we have to be really careful to not act like eight-year-olds behind the wheel of a vehicle when it comes to our words. Rather, we need to respect what's involved and think carefully about how that power plays out. Just as a quick note of application, this is especially true when you are tired or angry. You're no more likely to speak recklessly when you're angry or when you're tired. And so just as a note of application here as James is working this out, and I think it's consistent with the speech ethics that James uses throughout his whole letter, that is, he warns us of the power of words and how it can steer and impact things, That in our own lives, whether we're using words positively or negatively, we should be especially cautious in our moments of anger or uh, when we're working off little sleep. Okay, after touching on the power of words and using this metaphor of horses and ships in 5b, by the way, a and b, it's just a way when the verse is kind of, it's almost like starting a new section, but it's still verse 5 in your English versions of Scripture. So b is like the second half where it's starting a new paragraph. So in 5b, he says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. There is a danger to words, James warns us. The tongue is a small part of our body, but it uh, writes big checks or makes big boasts or pronounces great promises. James continues on and talks about how this is exacerbated, those great boasts, those grand promises, it's exacerbated by the reality of sin, the reality that uh, we aren't perfect people. And I also am going to venture that that's a premise you would agree with, that we don't have it all together. We don't speak with our words all the time perfectly. And, and so James is saying, yeah, okay, if something powerful is used and impacted by the reality of sin, uh, your own sinful inclinations, because you're a human being, uh, the reality that we live in a world that's impacted and affected by sin, The corporate realities of sin around us. And the fact even that there are spiritual forces, uh, the devil, that is at work and that tempts us and uh, will impact our lives. All of these things James is making the case for. When you take something powerful and you take imperfect people where sin is at play, then damage can be caused. Now, Here's what I want us to do business with this morning. You may uh, be sitting here thinking, well, hey, I mean, how bad can sin impact me, really? Or you may be thinking, hey, I've been talking for a long time, or I talk professionally, so I'm really good with words. Don't worry about it. I'm taken care of. This use of metaphor in James is helpful uh, because I think it— gives us the sense that things can get out of hand pretty quickly. <laughs> that, that you may think you are very competent. You may think you're a self-controlled person. But the reality of sin and our own imperfections is that uh, we always have to be aware of the potential danger that involves our words. You know, in Montgomery County, there are uh, leash laws. And uh, what this means is, uh, you know, when you're in the park, uh, when your kids are on a playground, when you may be going for a run uh, or on your bike on a path, ideally when you come across a big dog, that dog should be under the control of its owner and on a leash. But what I have found and maybe you have found is that that's not always the case. And, uh, and just a few weeks back, I was running and came across a pretty sizable dog with no owner around. And uh, as I kind of slowed down and, you know, a hundred thoughts start going through my head. How am I going to handle this situation? I see the owner come around the corner in the trail. and is like sprinting to catch up, like recognizing like, oh, this may not be good. And when she got to me, she said, don't worry, he's friendly. And in the moment, I didn't have it within me, uh, recognizing, by the way, what James says about how we use our speech. I didn't have it within me to explain to her, your dog may be friendly for you and you may know your dog that way. But that doesn't mean I know your dog that way or, more importantly, that your dog knows me that way. Right? Uh, And this is helpful because what James is writing to say is, Listen, when it comes to speech, we need to operate almost with, like, a leash law for our tongues. Uh, We can uh, lull ourselves into thinking... Hey, I haven't said anything mean or angry or overly sarcastic or damaging uh, recently. My, my tongue is friendly. Uh, I'm great for community. Uh, but the danger is as life goes on, uh, that may change. And not everyone uh, knows you and you don't know everyone the way you may think. And so James is effectively saying, Hey, I want you to be aware of these dangers so that you don't toy or play around with or sleep on just how bad it can get. How do things go wrong even in a Christian community? We like drama sometimes. So we we talk about the stuff that we've heard, we just want to share it. Hey, can I tell you something? I heard this. Let me tell you what's going on. We um, assume motives of other people. So we represent something they've done that we think is driving it, but we're not sure. And so we don't give them the best read. We don't, in good faith, uh, assume the best of them. We say, I don't know. Uh, I think something else may be going on there. We respond to people who are hurting or struggling or are expressing weakness with sarcasm or mockery or the quick tip to just keep going. Hey, that's just life. Keep going. Which is hurtful when someone's sharing with you their struggles and you push it to the margin or belittle it as if they haven't told you something uh, deep for them. Those are the ways which, even as Christians, we can go sideways with our words really quickly. And it happens even in the closest of relationships. So if you are here and you have close friends or roommates or you're married or or you're a part of a family, then as you get to know someone's history, you get to hear their story and the things that have impacted them in life, I hope that they begin to open their lives up some and share their hopes and dreams, but also the ways in which they've struggled and fail. When that happens, there is a danger that knowing those things, we can use it as ammunition when we're hurt. We can lash out at them. That for James wreaks havoc. It's the danger of words. And so even if we veil it or uh, soup it up with some spiritualized language, like, oh, let me just share. Here's a way that you can, can be praying for John because, uh, you know, here's what I heard. That has the sounds and smacks of a type of spiritual care. And, and yet, in, in reality, it may just be gossiping about what's going on in someone's life. So that's something that as a Christian community, we should be doing business with for ourselves so that we're set up when we're engaging our neighbors outside of the church. When we're speaking with people who are uh, across the street or across the aisle or across the internet or across any spot of our lives, when we engage with them, the more that we recognize the power of words, the more that we've done business with uh, the potential danger in words, the better positioned we are to genuinely care, not only for people within our closest spheres of life, but strangers, and especially people who are different from us or those who we don't understand or those who represent a vantage point that we're unfamiliar. This is a redemptive use of words. And in order to get there, Uh, James makes the case that you have to know the source of where words come from. In verses 9 through 12, he uses this language of uh, blessing and cursing of of God. Uh, This also is a reference, right, to the third commandment. So you're getting some third commandment and ninth commandment here in James. And he echoes the words of Jesus from Matthew 12. Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. That's Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Words are serious business. They're cheap, they're quick, they're easy, but they're also powerful. They also can cause damage. And Jesus would say they ultimately come from our hearts. And so if we want to not only recognize the power of words and we want to understand how words can cause damage and we want to move to that step of using words in redemptive ways to care for the people in our lives, Jesus would say you have to do business with the source of where your words come from. There's an immediate connection, not physiologically, I don't think Jesus means, but an immediate connection spiritually to the words that you speak and what's going on in your heart. And so if you find yourself, uh, if you've heard more than a few times, wow, you're pretty sarcastic. Or you find yourself uh, in anger lashing out to people. You find yourself regularly hearing from people close to you that you say hurtful things when you're mad. And if those things are registering real pain uh, downstream, then... Instead of trying to do some sort of behavior modification for your tongue, Jesus would say, take a look at what's going on in your heart. There is no operation or procedure that Johns Hopkins or Holy Cross or Shady Grove or any other place offers to do business with anger in our heart. The only place we can go to ultimately deal with the source of our words is Jesus himself. And that's good news for us as Christians because what it means is that Jesus not only recognizes and knows the source of our words, but that he himself has become the word made flesh to bring about our deliverance, to allow us to encourage and be redemptive in our words toward one another, that our relationships may grow What would that look like? I've said this a few times, but I think on the East Coast and in Metro D.C., it's just an important point. Less sarcasm and more energy and effort understanding where someone is coming from. It would look like a communal use of faith where we think through how can we use our words in this moment for the good of this other person? How... Could I use words to be a blessing? How could I encourage them? It means uh, not superficial platitudes. Hey, I hope that gets figured out. Hey, man, take care. Those aren't bad. But if someone shares with you something that has some depth to it, that encouragement and effort with our words would go deeper to connect with people's lives. One of the things that I love about the fall is that uh, you get layering, right? Uh, You get to like add layers. Uh, Not only do you get the changing of the leaves, uh, not only do you get uh, various options at the coffee shop, but you get layers. Uh, You get not only pants and shirts, but you get to add sweaters Uh, or for some of you, scarves or lightweight jackets. Or if you're a bit risky or you're very stylish, hats. Uh, You get to start to add to your wardrobe and these things start coming out in different colors and in different mixtures so that you can deal with the temperature changes through the day, right? So when you step out and it's really cold uh, and then the sun comes out and it starts to warm up, you have options to navigate that. Well, in the ninth commandment and the letter from James, they are working to frame up speech in a way in which the power of our speech impacts others. And and we're challenged, I think, to recognize just how dynamic our words and how we speak to to one another functions. That there's a a layering to it. That that words aren't just the things that come out of our our mouths in a particular moment. That's like the pants and shirts of our vocabulary. But there's more to it. That in our families and in our schools and in our workplaces and in our communities, we would put on the layers, right? That, that we would have uh, in our speech, like the sweaters of honesty and integrity. And, and that we could add to that the scarves of kindness. Uh, that we could put on the lightweight jackets of compassion, And and so that we would not only know the power and not only the potential danger, but that because of Jesus's work in our lives by the power of his spirit, that we would begin to think, how can I layer in gentleness and kindness and respect and honesty and good faith in how I view others. And then, I mean, if you're really growing in all of that stuff and you really want to, you can add the hat of humor. But do that last and uh, carefully, because just like hats in real life with style, hats and words can go wrong quickly. Jesus brings us effectively a wardrobe the size of this building to choose from. And empowers us in our speech to begin to use words in redemptive ways that express deep love and care for one another. I just want to make two quick points on that before we close. The, The first is, when Jesus does that through his death and resurrection and the working of his spirit in our lives, it doesn't mean that we automatically know the right thing to say in every situation. We won't. If you're a Christian, it doesn't magically give you some sort of key to know here's the exact right thing to say in every situation. Notice that the layering of uh, gentleness and kindness and uh, respect and integrity and honesty and good faith and humor, that those things don't give you the exact uh, sentences to structure, but give you a renewed heart's disposition to love other people. What that means is, uh, in, a, in a sense, we have the freedom to uh, navigate life using our words to build up one another, to encourage, to come alongside. And that means sometimes we may misplace those words or we may go wrong, but because Jesus is where our hope is found, that's who we look to in those moments. And, and then what that means on the receiving end is that we can be gracious to one another in how we engage For us, using speech redemptively bears the mark of what Jesus has done for us. He has transformed our hearts through faith so that now, uh, just like uh, the evil person produces evil speech, so Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, someone who's been renewed by Jesus, whose heart has been made alive, who's been touched by the power of God's Spirit, now has the benefit of using their words redemptively for the people around them. Not that you'll do it perfectly, but that it's an option because there's a connection, remember Jesus said, between what's going on spiritually in your heart and what's coming out of your mouth. Now for us, let's live that out. Will there be challenges in a community like ours with young and old, with people who have different pains in life, who bring unique stories to the table as part of our community? For sure, there will be challenges. Where there will be challenges for, for those of us who are coming from different cultures to relate to one another and to recognize uh, just how some things that we thought the way the world was designed is not. And we have to learn afresh. Yeah, there's going to be challenges. But this is what it looks like for us to model our words in love. This is what it looks like for us to follow Christ's example In using words to build up, to deal with the source of our hearts. This is what it looks like for us as a community in the 21st century to follow God's rule of love, not just in loving him, but in loving each other. Let's go after that as a community. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will watch over us and be with us, that in our words, we would recognize their power that we would be cautious of their danger, and that we would faithfully, Jesus, use our words to love and encourage one another. We ask this in your name. Amen.